the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into our three of our daily three-hour tour. It is an honor, it is a privilege to welcome to the show Penny Nance. She is the CEO and president of Concerned Women for America and their Legislative Action Committee. Penny, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Airwaves of Phoenix. I have to tell you, I think it was before your tenure when I lived in Washington, D.C., I did a a lot of work with uh, Concerned Women for America. I just think the world of your organization, I think the mm-hmm. world of everything you guys get involved in, you are at times a powerful loud voice and at times a powerful quiet voice that keeps this country safe and really keeps Washington, D.C. on track. So thanks for being with us. It's an honor to have you, truly. Well, that is such a nice introduction, and we're very grateful and love your show, and it's so grateful that you have you know, that the voice of reason and authority there in the Phoenix area. And, you know, you're right. Like we are, we have been around for over 40 years. We're a, like you, a voice of reason. Uh, we believe strongly in the unique dignity of women. We're pro-life, we're conservative, and we're unapologetic about it. Thank you for saying that. That's very nice. I appreciate it very much. You are, I think, a first-time guest on the show, if I'm not mistaken. I always do this with first-time guests. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, a little autobiography, if you don't mind. Oh, thank you. Well, I am a preacher's kid from Appalachia and um, went to graduate from Liberty University and headed north to Washington, D.C., worked on Capitol Hill and um you know, did various and sundry things. As a 20-something, I was a lobbyist here at CWA and met my husband who worked for Chuck Colson, uh, who was then the founder and head of Prison Fellowship Ministries, and we got married and I have a couple of children now, left when when I was a mom and did, you know, some great, I had an incredible opportunity to do substantive part-time work working on religious freedom, working with CWA. And then I came back in 2010 as their president and CEO. And it's just been my great honor to get to be the voice for conservative Christian women, whether it's in Congress or sitting across the table from President Trump, being at the opening of the embassy when it uh, when the president moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, um, getting to be the the one sitting in the seat, but knowing I'm just there, being a representative of of all the women around the country who so strongly believe in their nation, love their families, love God, and and I get the great joy and honor of being their representative. Fantastic. And yes, that timeline does match up. So I had left D.C. in 2010 to come back to Phoenix. So I think we just missed each other, although I have no doubt I had uh, run into your husband and uh, certainly probably uh, some very uh, close mutual friends of ours in in previous work I had done there. You guys came out, Concerned Women for America Action came out today with a very strong statement opposing the confirmation of Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. Um, Penny, tell us why. Well, there's a number of issues that we could point to. I want to back up and say, Seth, that Concern Women for America was on the leading edge 
of uh, the confirmations of before my time, Alito and Thomas, but just more recently, the three Trump uh, nominations. We were even on Women for Kavanaugh and Women for Amy bus tours at different times and around the nation, you know, gathering support for their confirmation. And, you know, we believe very strongly that they're going to be great constitutionalists and um, we don't love absolutely everything they do, but uh, but we think Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Barrett will be very interesting to watch on the Dobbs case. Um, and we take it on a case-by-case basis. And we have watched the hearings. We went through uh, Judge uh, Kintanji Brown-Jackson's record, and, you know, we followed it very closely. And just clearly yesterday, it, it had to be said, you know, not only is her record abysmal on downward departure for sentencing for pedophiles, I mean, that it is despicable, you know, when the very most dangerous in society, and again, I have a, a background working with prison fellowship, mm-hmm. you want to protect the public from the most dangerous. Of course. And, you know, you can get to the point, we can talk about, restorative justice when you talk about alternative sentencing, but when you're talking about people that hurt other people, there's no other choice but to actually hold them and keep others safe, and especially the people who hurt the the most vulnerable, which are children. Um, But then (laughs) you saw that Senator Blackburn from Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn, asked a very simple question, you know, that any right-thinking human being in America should be able to answer anywhere in the world, really, and that is, what is a woman? Mm-hmm. And her response is, well, I'm not a biologist. Right. Well, that was a political answer. We're having this argument throughout the country. Should Leah Thomas, who used to be Will Thomas, be able to take the NCAA Division One Championship trophy from a woman? And our answer is a resounding no. Bi- biological women are unique, have unique dignity, have unique needs and deserve respect and respect within the law. And it's very important that you recognize the difference. There's dozens of statutes within the United States, within our country, that make a distinction based on sex, Mm -hmm. whether it's set-asides for women's businesses, whether it's Social Security, whatever the issue is, we need to recognize biological differences. If she can't do that, if she can't simply answer the question, then we're talking about someone who's adhered, adherent to gender theory and is therefore disqualified for the role because her judgment and discernment is wrong. Nicely stated. We are speaking with Penny Nance, CEO and president of Concerned Women for America Legislative Action Committee, uh, In uh, uh, is the hat she's wearing on this discussion. Uh, and one of the things I want to talk about, Penny, I'll circle back to everything involved in the NCAA and the Title IX and the protection of women and women's sports. But one of the things I thought that was interesting about that exchange with Senator Blackburn was, um, well, let me try it this way, Penny. Uh, you gave me your autobiography. Um, can you tell me what a zebra is? <laughs> you did. You yes, can. can. That The laugh is that you can and you don't have a zoology mm-hmm. degree. At least you didn't mention it. Exactly. The point I guess I'm trying to make is I think we can both, with a fair degree of certainty, say that Judge uh, Judge uh, Jackson knows what a woman is. She's willing to obfuscate, obscure the truth 
under oath as a judge trying to become a Supreme Court justice in that answer that she's not a biologist, she can't say. Isn't that alarming in and of itself? She knows the truth. She refuses to tell the truth. And the reasons for that could be legion. I have a few suspicions as to what they are. But I think that in and of itself is disqualifying under oath, a judge refusing to tell the truth. Well, and it gets sillier than that, right? Because is she not going to be, has she not been pitched as the first African-American woman? Correct. Nice. To be confirmed to the Supreme Court. Well, if a, what is a woman? Correct. You know, I mean, if you just ask the basic question, so maybe she is, maybe she isn't. If she doesn't know the difference, how does she know? Maybe Joe Biden and got so, the nomination wrong, in other words. Maybe he got it wrong. Yeah. And so, again, you know, what we know is I, I'm not a biologist either, but I do know, I do know basic facts. I know that down to the cellular level is your basic data, your genes, down to whether it's XX or XY chromosome. We can take a vial of your blood without ever seeing you and know whether you're a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. That is clear. And certainly there are people, and I, and I don't want to sound uncompassionate because I really do understand and believe that there are people who struggle with gender dysphoria. That is a real thing. But we don't help them by pretending it's not a real issue and by disadvantaging biological women who work their whole lives in order to achieve, and we simply take away and change the playing field and advantage men who are biologically, whether they're taking cross-sex hormones or not, whether we're repressing their testosterone or not, still have bigger lungs, still have bigger hearts, still have better oxygenated blood, and have every advantage over them biologically. It's not fair. It's not right. And parents are rising up at this moment. What's particularly frightening about this is her willingness to say something so strongly, so loudly, so publicly, because about, what, two minutes ago or two years ago, no one would have given that answer ever, ever. She now feels that this is an OK answer to give. And I suspect everyone in her caucus feels it was a perfectly fine and legitimate answer to give as well. That's the, I got to take a quick break, Penny Nance. Can you stay with Great. me one brief, one more segment? Sure. There's a lot here Absolutely. to uncover and you've been doing a great job at it. We'll be right back. We're speaking with Penny Nance, CEO and president of Concerned Women for America and Concerned Women for America Legislative Action Committee. Don't go away. A legislative action committee. Her organization came out with an extremely strong and I think extremely important, extremely timely and extremely apt denunciation of the uh, nomination of Judge Brown Jackson to be elevated to the Supreme Court. It started in part with her answer to Marsha Blackburn, uh, Judge, uh, Judge Jackson's answer to Marsha Blackburn we've been talking about today. But Penny, if I might, Take it back just a second. You know, there was another question she was asked about, uh, I guess it was yesterday, and it was about, you know, she serves on some on a school board there in, in Washington, D.C. We all know the school. And she was asked about critical race theory, and she 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 parroted the line that so many people uh, when when discussing critical race theory will parrot, which is simply that it's a doctrine only in law schools. That was her first answer. She has that talking point down well. But even assuming that's true, just arguing, just for a moment, assuming that's true, can the 
rest of the country not understand how important even that is? Here we have a Supreme Court justice soaked in critical race theory going to make laws on the Supreme Court that will affect more than just Harvard Law School. They will affect children. Mm-hmm. They will affect affirmative action race-based cases. They will affect gender issues. There's something very noxious about the notion that what's said and taught in law schools stays in law schools. It doesn't. It goes to the Supreme Court. And in the world we live in now, Penny, the Supreme Court really defines the laws and uh, overturns and gives them to us regardless of the will of the American people more than any other institution in the country. That's right. Well, and and to go to the most obvious point, it is not only in yeah, law schools. Right, right. It is all the way down to the kindergarten level. And of course. Of course, you know, I live in, in the great commonwealth of Virginia, and we recently had an election not just based on critical race theory, but also gender theory. Sure. And those doctrines, that ideology, is impacting and infecting uh, the contagion that is happening all the way down to kindergarten, which is why Governor DeSantis has his bill that says you have no business trying to indoctrinate little tiny children on on these controversial topics such as gender theory. They don't need to rethink their biology right now. They don't need to rethink what pronoun they they want to use. And so she's wrong about that. She knows she's wrong about that, but it is the, the the line that, the party line that that the left touts, um, even though they know that it's not true, they don't necessarily call it critical race theory, but right. it is actually you know a doctrine that is taught in schools. And to your point, which is a correct one, even if it is only taught in law school, what her view of that theory is is important because yeah. if every if every white person is an oppressor, and we must have not we must have equity, not equal opportunity, and you know all the many tenants are true. Then it certainly impacts the way she does sentencing, which you know maybe that's what we're seeing here, right? Yep. We're seeing her downward departing from the the worst of the worst um, in the way that that she uh, deals with the way she dealt with uh, offenders. Yep. So um, defend, offenders, defendants. So yeah. it, it is a right question is the correct question to ask. And it's odd, isn't it, Penny? I mean, you know, you said children shouldn't have to rethink their pronouns and their gender. Well said, well put. This notion using the Florida bill, which it seems like the entirety of the elite culture is against and wants to make a target of Florida over, this is the kind of stuff that will ultimately flow up to the Supreme Court and we have a, a nominee in, in Justice uh, Brown-Jackson who is telling the world that uh, these differences don't matter. Boy, girl, male, female differences don't matter. And I don't know if you're with me on this. I'd, I'd love your thought. You say they don't need to rethink it. Look, I don't want anything about this stuff taught to kids. I mean, what happened to all that research we had done throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s about what happens when you expose children to themes, imagery, and concepts sexual well before their age and brain and emotional support can handle it. You turn them into problems for the rest of the world and the rest of their lives. Whatever happened to all that research? Are we just throwing that out the window and we can now introduce these what used to be exclusively adult themes, very adult themes, by the way, Mm -hmm. into the minds and souls of five-year-olds? We, it seems to me, are creating a um, a monster that not even Frankenstein could have imagined. Well, I mean, 
let's recognize that I, ha- I have, let me go back and say, SICUS, which is sort of the Association uh-huh. for Sex Educators, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the most leftist on this. Yep. And they really do want little tiny children to deal with very adult themes before they have any reason to even think about it. Right. And I, I think you need to recognize this is, I'm like, did a pedophile write this curriculum? Exactly. Because that's what they do, right? They use pornography and they use adult material in order to, you know, to groom these children for sexual activity. And so I I do have to wonder, like, who are these people? Mm -hmm. Like, do you not recognize that children are, are naive for a reason? We need to protect them as parents. We know that. We recognize that. We want to... Um, protect their innocence for as long as we can. And, you know, biology, you know, and and w- when they become adolescents, like, you know, they they are ready for more information, which, you know, they will they will get and they will receive, hopefully, from their parents first. Um, but why do grown-ups insist, insist on indoctrinating little tiny children before they have any reason or any ability to really understand the material. You mm-hmm. have to ask yourself that. And I, I don't know the answer. I mean, in my darkest moments, I think, you know, well, I know evil exists, but they're either just very wrong or perhaps some of them are evil. I don't know. Well, I'll offer an answer, and I think it's found in Chapter 2 of the Communist Manifesto where Karl Marx writes about the family and the importance of disrupting it and the roles of males and females and that the way to do it will be through social education. That's my theory, mm-hmm. Penny. That's my theory. We are watching. You, you, you said, who are these people? You asked rhetorically, who are these people that want to that want to use our children for their adult political battlefields and, and, and battlegrounds? Well, who are these people? They are, I suppose, the Judge Jacksons of the world who want to tell us that the people who do this are, in her words, the real victims of society. And I, I happen to think, yes, it's sick. And I happen to think, yes, we are going to inherit a whirlwind if this be, doesn't stop right here and right now, which is why I'm glad you guys came out to say this needs to stop right here and right now. Thank you. You betcha. You betcha, Penny. I hope this can be a down payment in the first of many more visits, hopefully over some good things and some positive things. Awesome. You know, that's the world well, we live in. We're, yeah, we're often, right. we're often yeah. <laughs> loudest when uh, things aren't going well, but we should be equally well, so plenty, when things are. We've got plenty to discuss, and I would just you know say to your listeners, if they have, they'd like more information about what we're doing, come to ConcernWomen.org. I have a podcast called Concerned Women Today, in which I explore a lot of what we're talking about in the last two episodes. So lots going on. I appreciate your thoughtful voice in all of this and look forward to talking. You bet. Once we get through this fight, I'm going to circle back and I'm going to spend an hour with you on air and talking about the kinds of things you guys do on your podcast and the kind of work you do. It's, it's great. It would be great to expose more Phoenix to it. Penny Nance, bless you. Godspeed. Thank you. Thank God bless you. you. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Midas Gold Group, a wake-up call from veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. You've seen it in the news. They want you to forget about it, but yet it's still there. Truckers and their supporters were financially targeted for speaking up against the state. Democrats in the U.S. approved of Prime, Minister's, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's protest suppression 4-1. to one. 
you know what they would think about it happening here. Gold and other precious metals add a layer of privacy and protection to your finances. So get private, get protected, and get on the phone and call Midas Gold Group, the precious metals dealer that Sebastian Gorka, I, and thousands of y'all, our listeners, use. I've met these guys. I've been to their offices. I own precious metals from the Midas Gold Group. Give them a call at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. They're just a great group of people. Leland is in Glendale. Hello, Leland. Hi. <clears throat> I, uh, I, I, first, I want to say that uh, Senator Blackburn is, is just awesome, and she does really great work. Um, but I just I, I feel like uh, when she asked uh, Judge Brown Jackson, you know, what a woman is, and got a response that, I don't know, I'm not a biologist, I wish she had immediately come back at her with, does that mean you think the definition of a woman is a biological matter? Mm, mm, mm. And I just don't, I, I think the judge set a trap for herself there that I don't think she could have got out of yeah, very cleanly. Th- yeah, it made us think a little, I was just talking with Penny about this, right? I mean, the, the idea that a judge or any learned person By the way, one, let me remind, who is sworn to tell the truth in a congressional panel, a Senate inquiry, she is sworn to tell the truth. She is a witness before the Senate. You know what the oath says? I do solemnly swear or affirm that the evidence I give in the case now now depending between the United States and me shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Do you think in your heart of hearts, Leland— that Judge uh, Brown Jackson doesn't know what a woman is? No. Then she and, was not uh, telling the truth, first and foremost. She was not telling the truth. And, and, and I, uh, there's a lot of ways to get through and around this, um, including the fact that how do we know Joe Biden picked the right person, right? Pen, that was Penny's point. If she doesn't know what a woman was and Joe Biden was dead set on picking an African-American woman, maybe he got this wrong. Maybe she, you know, maybe he got it wrong. On what basis did he know she he was picking a woman? I mean, this this is just so many layers of nonsense we're supposed to think is sophisticated thought, and it isn't. It's kindergarten thought. It's it's well, really the the thought of a kindergartner saying na na na. I don't know. Lying, lying because you do exactly. know better. And I think you know there was no way she would have ad- admitted that. Yes, I do think it is a biological matter because you know that's just that would be. She would probably be held to that from then on, and she she knows it. And uh, uh, I just don't think she, she, it would have been possible for her to answer it to make it look like she had answered honestly in the first place. Well, you raise an interesting question, and I don't know that we'll ever get down to the bottom of the answer of it, Leland. But what if she had said uh, what you suggested or what we all know? Yes, I know what a woman is, or I know what a biological woman is. What if she had said that? 
And do you really think she would have lost Democratic votes in the Senate? See, I think she wouldn't have. I don't think anyone would have voted against her for it. And she might have even, you know, Republicans are so wanting to be impressed with her, wanting to. You know, they want to find a reason to vote for her. You see this on social media where she'll give a statement. You'll see this in the Wall Street Journal editorial page where, where you know, her opening statement was praised as such a refreshing call to the American store. She don't believe any of that nonsense. I think any she other. would have lost a lot of Republican votes, maybe all of them. Uh, I don't know. And she might have lost a couple of Democrat votes, maybe Manchin and Cinema. I don't know. But, yeah. I, I, I just think I, it is I, I, such I an interesting she... tell that you have to understand that you have, for the first time in America's life, maybe in the world's life, maybe in the world's life, an important appointee to a rarefied post stating in public and under oath they don't know what a woman is. I mean, it really is something to step back from and think about. And, Leland, truly seriously, what consequences emanate from there? What consequences emanate from someone who is going to decide constitutional, criminal, and civil law for the rest of the country who thinks that way? I, I Have we fully absorbed this I don't think we have. Maybe the left has, and maybe that's what they want. I gave a monologue on this the other day. Maybe I'll revisit it but with you all in a few moments. But I, I, I don't know that the rest of the world has figured out what the consequences of that viewpoint are. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Their fruits and veggies, their whole produce fruits and whole produce veggies are what I take every single day. Pure, potent plant power. They're the only whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, added anything. It's 100% whole food, gluten-free, non-GMO, no extracts, no synthetics, as I said. And it's a fantastic product. It's just all fruit and veggies. That's it. Even the capsules. And if you don't like swallowing capsules, I do. But if you don't like swallowing them, you can easily open them up. They're designed for that. Just, you know, pop them open and sprinkle it in food or drink. Maintain your health, protect your health, and boost your immunity the natural way with Balance of Nature. It's been keeping me well for three years, and it doesn't take long to affect. You'll notice the difference within a few days. Balanceofnature.com. Fruits and veggies, make sure to use discount code BALANCE. All right. Let me um, take a, just a little bit of a departure on something here. The country has a crisis, or 10, doesn't it? It really does. There's a lot of problems, whether we're talking the border, whether we're talking inflation, ec- other economic problems, the employment situation, whether we're talking um, uh, transportation, whether we're talking energy, whether we're talking war, whether we're talking allies, whether we're talking enemies, whether we're talking the Middle East. There are a lot of things going on, a lot. All right. May I read you this from an upcoming book? from a New York Times uh, reporter named Jonathan Martin. It's going to be released in May. Excerpts have been released. And it's about this part. Vice President Kamala Harris felt belittled and wounded by the cover photo of her 
that Vogue magazine selected for its February 2021 issue. Do you remember the uh, cover of Kamala Harris on Vogue? It was, if you don't, let me just explain it to you this way. It was uh, the cover that Melania Trump was never asked to pose a picture for. Our friend Charles says this was never Donald Trump's America. If it were Donald Trump's America and he has a whole litany of things, one of them would have been the way fashion magazines didn't. Well, if it were his America, fashion magazines would have uh, given attention uh, to Melania Trump, one of the most fashionable people maybe in the world. They never touched her. But in any event, get this. Vice President Kamala Harris felt belittled and wounded by the cover photo of her on the cover of Vogue. The image, shot by the photographer Tyler Mitchell, featured Harris casually dressed in a Donald Deal pantsuit and Converse sneakers in front of a background with draped green and pink fabric and a nod to Harris's college sorority. Now, the first question you may have, trust me, there's a point here. We'll get to it. But one question you may have is if she didn't like being pictured wearing Converse shoes or whatever that pantsuit was she was wearing, why do you show up with it? Why do you show up with it to a cover shoot, to a cover photo, to a photo shoot? Why do you show up with it? Anyway, when the image was published online, it reportedly caught Harris's team off guard and garnered criticism. Some of Harris's allies and other critics charged that the choice to feature Harris dressed more casually failed to give her the respect and gravitas she deserved. Well, then don't wear those clothes for a photo shoot or anywhere. Harris was wounded. Martin M. Burns wrote, according to Politico, she felt belittled by the magazine asking aides would Vogue depict another world leader this way. Now, the interesting part. Harris's top spokeswoman at the time, Simone Sanders, now an MSNBC host, <laughs> okay, went directly to Anna Wintour, the famed editor-in-chief of Vogue, okay, to relay Harris's displeasure with the image adding that Winter told Sanders she'd selected the photo herself and thought it made Harris more relatable. A Vogue spokesman said in a statement at the time, the team at Vogue loved the images and felt the more informal image captured Vice President-elect Harris's authentic, approachable nature, which we feel is one of the hallmarks of the administration. It's not like they were out to get this person. But amid the mounting criticism, the magazine picked a different image of Harris as the cover photo for the digital issue and a limited edition print issue to commemorate the inauguration. So now because of White House going to um, Vogue magazine, they are now futzing around with the pictures and putting different pictures to make Kamala Harris's feelings, um, uh, to boost Kamala Harris's emotional feelings about this sort, about the photo shoot. All right. Now, the Vogue incident also reportedly exacerbated tensions between Harris's office and the West Wing. When Harris's chief of staff, Tina Flournoy, caught wind of the uproar over the cover image, she raised the issue to a senior Biden campaign official, the book says, according to Political. But with the COVID-19 pandemic still raging and the nation reeling from the insurrection, the insurrection, that's in the story, the insurrection. All right. Well, reeling. the nation was reeling from January 6th only because the media was making us reel from January 6th. It, you know, it could have been over by January 7th, but it was over by the night of January 6th. But no, they don't want to say, OK, anyway, with the COVID-19 pandemic still raging and the nation reeling from the insurrection, the official told Flournoy that this was not the time to be going to war with Vogue over a comparatively trivial aesthetic issue. Tina, the advisor, said these are first world problems. 
according to Politico. A representative for Vogue did not return inside. Do you, do you wonder maybe just a moment, half a moment, that maybe Kamala Harris's stupid statements and remarks and inattention to detail or inability, evidently, to read completely through her briefing books. This is the issue. Whenever she misstates something, she's blaming her staff, and her staff simply says, well, if you had read your briefing book. That's the story. She's not reading her briefing book. It's not the first public official this happens to, but if you don't read your briefing books that your staff prepares, it's hard to get mad at your staff. She famously gets very mad at her staff for not doing her own homework, for not doing her own reading. Do you think maybe... If she were not having her chief of staff and her chief spokesperson, two different people, going back and forth with Vogue and West Wing officials about the Vogue cover shoot, there might be more time for the real stuff. There might be real time for the meat and potatoes of governance if you stopped dealing with the will of the wisp. I I just think it's entertaining that the administration in the midst of these crises – at least the vice president's part of the administration, which seemed to have been given a lot of tasks, they're really dealing with Anna Wintour and Vogue because that's the problem. Vogue magazine is the problem. This is what they're spending time, effort, and energy on. You get it? You get it. It goes back to what I said in my monologue. The job of the vice presidency is not their first concern, just as the Constitution and the courts are not the first concern with this judicial nomination. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. These hearings uh, for uh, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson have been illustrative for those of us paying attention. Um, in part, yes, the, crit- the answer on not being able to define what a woman is uh, from this world historical female role model. That's really weird. Really weird that a female role model can't define what a woman is. But don't ignore the critical race questions that were asked yesterday either. She's a big follower, uh, as by as she admits, as she has spoken about in speeches and in her writings of Derek Bell, one of the founders of critical race theory. She tells a long story about one of his books on the coffee table that she kept looking at as she was growing up and marveling as she was growing up in the house. Now, the problem with that is, is she was 20 when the book was published. So it's not just that she loves him. It's that she loves him so much she's willing to pull a Hillary Clinton and just lie about these things. What is it? What do I, Hillary Clinton member when she said she was named after Edmund Hillary, though she, you know, was born before his, yeah, okay. But check out some of the works of Derek Bell. Uh, you learn something about someone. You learn something important about someone by who their teachers are, who their teachers are that they esteem. You know someone by who they look to for intellectual guidance and nurturing. And Derek Bell is one of those people to Kentonji Brown in the sense that maybe Harry Jaffa was to me, except I was a direct student. She was just a student of his writings. This is a man who has called the Constitution roach powder, who has said that whites will commit racial genocide. And he said, I live to harass white folks. You heard me. Earlier quote him on what he said about Clarence Thomas calling him a slave. My, uh, not my words, Derek Bell's. I just don't know if these dots can be connected for the rest of the American public. What I do know is the Democrats don't care. And the reason they don't care is because they believe it. 
I'm Seth Liebson. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.